This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Everything was great in paradise with him and the Buccaneers. Resigning everybody they wanted to bring back, which was apparently the entire roster, and they were ready to make another run. Should we go as 2021 Super Bowl? Should we go as far to, to say that there was a lot of sunshine down oh, in Tampa? Very nice. Uh, the city by the bay, Tampa uh, Bay. But things kind of taken a little bit of. They've hit some turbulence as of late, and apparently Antonio Brown has got a little bit of a knee injury that he's dealing with. And looking at watching pro football talk today before coming in here, it ain't a done deal with Antonio Brown. Something that I kind of had when they first reported that the Bucks and him were going to reach that one-year deal that would have been worth up to as much as $6 million, I believe. I thought it was, you know, signed, sealed, and delivered. AB is back in Tampa Bay, but no. This knee injury is apparently keeping Antonio Brown from reaching an agreement with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, Bruce Arians saying on Tuesday that the re-signing has been delayed by the fact that Brown has a knee injury that requires surgery. Arians said, quote, he has to pass the physical. Hopefully we'll have a scope on Tuesday. He's getting his knee cleaned out and everything will work out fine. It's just a matter of a physical. So it does seem, based on what Arians said there, it's just some, you know, logistical stuff that they have to iron out. I'm sure, you know, lawyers get involved and they're saying, well, hold on. Before we commit this money to him, can we get that knee looked at real quick by a doctor? Can we get that thing drained out, maybe a little surgery on it and see, you know, if the surgery is successful, if we get the, yeah, he'll be ready by training camp diagnosed by the doctor. And, you know, that's good due diligence that you're doing. But it is just, you know, that fir- it's the first little speed bump that has hit the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right. That and even if, it no was a sp- even if it was a speed bump that caused the entire bumper of their car to fall off, i.e. Antonio Brown doesn't get the go-ahead to be signed based on the doctor's report of his knee or how the surgery goes, they're still just an incredibly loaded team. They, they don't even need they him. Have, they don't need him. They have every piece. But they them. want him. But they don't need him. They don't need him, and it's because they have every piece that they – could possibly want i mean they have chris godwin and, and mike evans would be wide receiver number one on 31 other nfl teams that aren't tampa bay and then you have antonio brown who could be a wide receiver number one i mean if he's not dealing with this leg uh, this knee injury and i mean what what nfl team have we ever seen have three wide receiver ones on one team man maybe the steelers i mean that's a stretch i don't though. even know at, at, at what point? Because maybe Lynn at, Swan and John Stallworth. I know, but three. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. And then, I mean, AB and and Martavis were dynamic, but I don't know if Martavis was ever to the point where he'd be a number one anywhere. Right. And, and and then you incorporate Juju in there at some point, but I mean, he he really wasn't a wide receiver. He was just a number really one. great number yeah. two. Yeah. So yeah, I, if they they. If there's a team that can afford an injury to any position group, it's the Buccaneers and that wide receiver. Sure, sure. I mean, it's it's not even – you can't even call it trouble in paradise because it's just a little blip on their radar. It's it's really nothing. I mean, yeah, I think Brady would like to have him there just as, as another option. But still, I mean, he's got guys on the team that he doesn't even need A.B. there to be A.B. No, and that's exactly right. And, again, it kind of does feel like it's just complete – doing your due diligence, making sure all the T's are crossed and I's are dotted before we give him this full contract. Um, and, and it sounds like Bruce Arians is pretty optimistic that he'll be able to join 
uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year on time. And if it's coming from camp. if that's coming from Bruce Arians, the guy who doesn't you, want AB. you know it's possible he could be back because this is a guy who is outwardly vocal about not wanting AB on the team. Some other news hitting close to home for the Pittsburgh Steelers, as AB news always does. Uh, doctor for the Cincinnati Bengals has given the go ahead that Joe Burrow is quote on track for full go for Week One. So. Good news for Cincinnati Bengals fans, potentially bad news for Pittsburgh Steelers fans, seeing as the Steelers play the Bengals in week three. As we all know, Joe Burrow suffered a gruesome injury towards his, to his knee, ACL, and MCL, I believe, but Tom, towards the end of last season. Would it even matter because Ryan Finley was the guy who beat the Steelers last year? It's a great point. Year. Who knows if you know a box of chocolates could be the quarterback for the Bengals and they might be able to beat the Steelers, but... Getting that he should be full go week one, you know, you kind of hold your breath as a Steelers fan, and I know what you're saying, Jacob, but you also agree that it would have been better to go. I'd rather go against Ryan Finley 10 times than Joe Burrow 10 times. So there was a little bit of hope. I don't want to say hope because that's an ugly way to put it when you're dealing with someone coming back from injury, but Steelers fans were definitely in the back of their head thinking, you know, tore that ACL, MCL late into the season. Maybe it takes a little bit longer to get back to full strength. We play them early, which is good, but based on this report, it seems like Joe Burrow is going to be ready to go for week one training camp, and uh, that means he will have two games under his belt at being 100% by the time he has to come to Heinz Field to face the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, like you said, they lose to Ryan Finley last year. Well, Joe Burrow is a much better quarterback, looked the part completely before going down last year, might win rookie of the year if he doesn't get hurt, and Justin Herbert takes it from him, but. Just makes the Steelers' schedule harder when Joe Burrow's at 100% playing for that Bengals offense. And, you know, it's an offense that if that Steelers' defense doesn't show up to play in week three, you know, they could have a lot of points put up on them. It's concerning, but, again, I always point back to the the Bengals. Yeah, they got Jamar Chase, but, yeah, they didn't get any protection for Joe Burrow. And we just talked about an entire segment of the Steelers bringing on possibly a free agent uh, additional piece uh, at the edge position or somewhere on the front seven, whether it's at the outside linebacker or on the defensive line. And that's just another piece that could dominate, that could crush, that could inflict pain or inflict problems on Joe Burrow. So it doesn't matter how many options they have. I know they have a great wide receiver set that now includes Jamar Chase, but to me, Tom, it doesn't matter. I think last year the game against Cincinnati on Monday night was just a bad game for the Steelers. It was it came in the middle of their their end of the season downfall uh, among a one and four play or uh, regular season finish that also followed that was followed by the the playoff loss against Cleveland. But I don't think you know even with the returning Joe Burrow, I don't know if there's enough on Cincinnati's team to kind of counteract the Steelers offense now that has Najee Harris I mean going up head-to-head -head, how many points could the Steelers have against the Bengals defense versus the Bengals offense going up against the Steelers defense I think it's a much more favorable matchup for the Steelers one of your favorite guys spoke earlier this week Matt Ryan uh big one of my favorite guys big pressure on him after the 2021 draft from the Falcons landing them Kyle Pitts ton of offense um in Atlanta Ryan said in one respect you understand that if you play well for long enough these are the conversations that are going to come up I understand that I'm not going to play forever 
but I also have the mindset of I'm still playing really well and have a lot of good football left in front of me. The most important thing for me is that it comes from the belief in the building, the people who are actually making decisions, the people who are with you day to day. That's where I try to keep my mindset. So Matt Ryan just, I guess, giving a vote of confidence in himself, but also right. when you have to make those quotes, you're kind of a dead man walking. I mean, quarterbacks that know that their position in the room are completely solid don't even get asked the questions that he's getting asked as to where do you feel you stand with the Atlanta Falcons organization. There's clearly some friction there as far as this might be the last ride with Matt Ryan, but he clearly thinks that he's still got a couple of more seasons left at this league playing at a high level. He turns 36 or he turned 36 just this past Monday uh, of this week. So he's getting up there in age for sure. But I I don't blame the Falcons for going with Matt Ryan again this season. I I know that there was an attractive choice with Trey Lance, uh, with um, Justin Fields blanking on him for a second with Mac. There was quarterbacks to be had when you picked fourth overall. Kyle Pitts, they end up taking probably the best offensive player not at the quarterback position in this draft with their pick. And, and, you know, even if Justin Fields comes into the league and he's the guy and he plays well, uh, how long do you think it takes a rookie to reach the level that Matt Ryan plays on? I mean, maybe it does happen overnight, and it has in the past. I mean, Matt Ryan made the playoffs his first year, so. So maybe it happens, but do you catch that lightning in a bottle kind of twice, or is that more of a – you know, do we really want to risk bringing in Justin Fields, who could be really good, but also might have a bit of a learning curve that he has to deal with when, you know, I sit back as a GM and look at my offensive roster and say, you know, for one year, I want Matt Ryan to have the keys to this thing. He also threw over 4,000 yards last year, and he had 26 touchdowns. Let's see if he can get the job done one more year. Also, too, you know, you have Matt Ryan for however many years. Maybe it's one, maybe it's two. You go out and get a quarterback in the future, and already you have Kyle Pitts on your roster alongside Julio Jones. I mean, it's not that you went out and got some defensive guy or some offensive lineman to kind of keep the offense moving or the defensive plugged in in terms of depth. You got the number one, what we think was the number one offensive weapon outside of the quarterback position, outside of Trevor Lawrence, maybe alone. It may have been Trevor Lawrence one, Kyle Pitts two. Maybe on some people's boards, Kyle Pitts was the overall best prospect coming out. It's just you couldn't blame Jacksonville going Trevor Lawrence. So, yeah, I mean, you keep Matt Ryan, but whenever the Matt Ryan era is over, the guy in waiting or the next guy coming out of the draft for the Falcons has Kyle Pitts waiting for him there. And by that time, Kyle Pitts could be two years, three years into the league and and be already at that time the number one receiving options across wide receivers or tight ends in the league. The Washington football team has given right tackle Morgan Moses the okay to seek a trade. If they were to trade him, they would save $7.75 million in cap space. Morgan Moses is a pretty solid tackle, but the problem is the football team signed Charles Leno Jr. earlier this month, and in the second round of the draft, they took tackle Samuel Cosme out of uh, Texas. So Leno, the guy they signed, made 93 consecutive starts for the Chicago Bears before being released after this year's draft. So Washington clearly going with cheaper options, signing the free agent in Charles Leno, who has been a starter for 93 straight times, and drafting tackle Sam Cosme. Uh, Cosme, 
could play both left or right tackle. Rivera said he worked at both spots during the rookie mini camp last weekend. Um, and he also alluded to the fact that they didn't select him as high as they did to just have him sit all season long. So they're moving on from Morgan Moses. They're going the cheaper route. Someone the Steelers might kick the tires on here. Morgan Moses is a right tackle. He's better than any option that they have. But just how much better, how much does he have left in the tank, and how many times does it feel like Morgan Moses is playing through an injury when he plays for the Right, Washington and I think team. there are much better options. Mitchell Schwartz, Russell Okun, Rick Wagner, who we've talked about previously on this show. I think there are better options at tackle, but, I mean, is Mitchell Moses the more affordable option? Probably, but that has that probably has to do with, yeah, the injuries that you, you just touched on. I mean, this is a guy for the, the – football team and i say he plays hurt but he does he's played in every single game since 2015 i just feel like it's always an ankle it's always something that's holding him back a little bit but guys tough as nails his best ability is definitely his availability uh he might just be a little too expensive for the steelers not only in salary but you have to trade for him so who knows what you're gonna have to give up for that it's just kind of funny you know and this is a different coaching staff so you can't really draw too many parallels to it but you know, years ago, four years ago, I believe it was, three or four years ago, Trent Williams went through this whole thing with Washington where right. he didn't want to play. He sat out for an entire season. Trade me, trade me, trade me. Dan Snyder had a big uh, stalemate with him, resulting in him not playing for an entire year. Finally does cave and trades him to the San Francisco 49ers where he has just recently signed another long-term deal there to play tackle for them. So, you know, they've had these guys in Trent Williams and Morgan Moses. I mean, you could argue – two of the best tackles in football. Okay. And Trent Williams carrying a lot more of that weight than Morgan Moses. But now Trent Williams forces his way out, and Morgan Moses isn't happy there either. And the Redskins are – wow. I'm sorry. Mm. I feel Mute terrible. button. Bleep, bleep that out. I'll me, just please. keep talking. Let, let me let me chime in here. I, but I this kind of also reeks of the Steve Nelson thing, where yeah. the football team gives him permission to seek a trade. Sure. It's like writing's on the wall. You're and not starting anymore. It, but it's possible that he's still brought back. It just wouldn't be on the best of terms. They don't even have to bring him back. He's there. It's just a matter right. of do you want to release him if no one bites on the trade. Right. But, and again, it's so tough. When a team says you have the permission to look for a trade, that automatically brings his value down in other teams' minds because they're just going to come back to you and be like, well, you don't want him. You right. told him to go seek a trade. Why would I? Why would I why give you a first I, round pick? Why would I him? give you something if sure, 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 sure? But I don't know. I mean, I honestly like I get what you're saying about Mitchell Moses' standing in terms of the tackle position, but I just feel like for the Steelers' benefit, I I do think there are better guys out there than him. I you could even argue that. No, you can't. Never mind. I was gonna say that Chooks or Banner might be better than him, but I don't. No, think so. no, 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 no. I don't think so. But I'm, I'm. Chooks maybe because the potential is still kind of there for him. I mean, the Banner too. Right. I think I think you can make the case for both of their potential, but you know what? They're cheaper right today. They're way cheaper. Way than cheaper. Than they're cheaper than any of the guys that we named so far. But I, I do think if you want to bring in someone, I would be more comfortable bringing in either of the guys from Kansas City, Eric Fisher who I didn't even mention earlier, or Mitchell Schwartz. I, I think there are be- I just do think there are better options out there than Moses, especially the fact that, you know, with, with Washington's decision to say, hey, you can go and try to get a trade worked. I mean, that's just that's just not the biggest ringing endorsement for a player. It's weird that Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher are still out there. Still out there. And maybe that's kind of that 
um, Steve Nelson thing, you know, where there's like four or five teams kicking the tires. And, you know, those are two guys that won a Super Bowl two years ago and went to the Super Bowl last year. I don't know if they want to necessarily jump into, you know, a situation with the New York Jets. You know what I mean? I, I think that those might be guys You don't want to come to the Pittsburgh Steelers and, and help no, Ben Roethlisberger out? I'm saying that yeah, might be an offer that they do take if they get it knocking on the door. But also, the Steelers don't have that much money to play around. And I think, you know, the guys in our earlier episode where we talked about defenses, defensive free agent guys, Melvin Ingram, um, Vic Beasley, those are guys that played themselves out of big money, I think. Mm. Eric Fisher and Mitchell Swartz aren't going to get big money, but they're going to get starting level money, starting level salary, because mm. those are still starters. Absolutely. Definitely. I mean, is Moses? Yeah. Yeah, he's still a starter. Yeah, in the for NFL. sure. But it's just you compare him to the guys on the Steelers, and it's almost – I don't want to be too down on our guys, but it's almost night and day. These are guys who started for a Super Bowl team. Yeah, Moses is in that spot where he's – Good enough to still start in the NFL, but he's not good enough for the football team to keep committing the money that they have tied up into him. Does that make sense to you? He's still good enough to be a starter. If he was cheaper, the football team, I'm sure, would be fine with him. But since they have such younger options, including the rookie Cosme, that it just makes sense for them. They're just going to look at him and say, you know what? You're good but you're not good enough for this kind of money when we have other options, so it's just time to cut bait. So here's the problem with that, Tom, too, is the fact that the Steelers don't even have that money to give them either. They don't. And the Steelers kind of did the same thing where they didn't have the options at corner. Or maybe the Steelers do think they have the options at corner, and that's why they let Steven Nelson explore that trade because they are like, hey, we got guys behind you that are better, so we're going to go cheaper. I don't feel like that's the case. I mean, no one's coming into that cornerback room with right. the pedigree of second-round pick Samuel Cosme, so... I don't know. It, it's a bit of a, a It definitely scratcher. doesn't do Moses any favors with the addition of Cosme either. No, no question at all. He's going to be gunning for his job from day one. And uh, like I said, the GM is going to be favoring Cosme because that saves him a whole hell of a lot of money right. on that salary cap. Uh, big news. Uh, and this is a trend that's starting to kind of pick up steam in the NFL. Philadelphia Eagles have decided to alter their offseason program after some meetings with their players. Uh, the Eagles will no longer hold mandatory minicamp this year. The team announced that just yesterday. Uh, there will be no team or seven-on-seven seven drills during their OTAs. Head coach Nick Cerrone saying, we had some really good conversations with our players, some of our team leaders about this off-season program. I've always believed it's important to have that open communication with your team, and it was really helpful for us as a staff as we put together the off-season program. I feel good that our schedule will allow us to get some really good work in before we hit training camp. I really appreciated those conversations. So they'll go a lot of virtual stuff here for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, he said, our goal is to keep building. So up to this point, we've had a lot of great time with our players virtually, teaching them schemes. So now we're going to take them onto the field, focus on the fundamentals, while taking what was learned virtually and getting the reps in person. So it's interesting that the Eagles... And I think they joined the Indianapolis Colts. I was just going to say, Tom, the Colts did so earlier, but the, the Eagles are the second team now recently. To do so, so trend is starting to yeah. happen where these teams are saying thanks, but no thanks to the extra offseason workouts that were usually commonplace, only getting canceled last year due to the coronavirus mm -hmm. pandemic. And in an episode ago or a couple of episodes ago, when we were talking about the Steelers rookie minicamp, the, our reactions to it from this past weekend, we were saying how we were we were thinking of the possibility that the second year guys such as Claypool and Dotson 
would have been probably okay with giving the had they been given the option to join the rookies at the minicamp, they would have said yes. We we because we got zero of that last year. It is strange to me that teams are actively saying no. We don't want any of this compared or considering they got not even not not any camp whatsoever. No matter optional mini full camp it doesn't matter seven on seven doesn't matter and the two teams that have come out and decided it are so bizarre to me because indianapolis has is a, new in a new quarterback yep. in carson wentz you need all the time you can i know frank reich is familiar with him from their time in philadelphia but the rest of indianapolis the rest of the team is not yeah. you need to get that timing down you need to establish him as your starting quarterback and you need all the practice and reps you can get and philly has a new coach a new head coach and a new quarterback right. they're breaking in both a new head coach and a new starting new -ish, quarterback new-ish quarterback yeah right new Couple, quarterback to start with one quarterback yeah. as far as this head coach is concerned right. i mean this jalen hurts was with doug peterson towards the end of last year but it's a nick serrani and jalen hurts sure. marriage right now in philadelphia that they're trying to roll out with so i get where serrani's coming from though because you know look around the league and look at how players are starting to become more vocal with them not being heard by the front office or the coaching staff from teams, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, those are two of the big ones that come to mind. So as him being a first-time head coach, maybe he's, there and he's thinking, I'm really going to listen to my veterans. Uh, I'm not going to be a pushover, but they're pretty demonstrative in their demands that they don't need a full mandatory mini camp this year. You know what? little olive branch here. I'm, the, yeah. I'm your head coach now. We don't want to have any friction right off the bat from this thing. Yeah, let's just forget about those mini camps, but – then on the other side of things, I mean, you'd think as a first-year head coach, you'd want to get out there immediately with as many of your players as you possibly right. can. Right, doesn't matter in what capacity. You would want to just get familiar with the names that you have to maybe and I think one day also, cut down from from your 53-man roster. It's also important to say that it's just not mandatory. They're still going to have minicamp. Sure. It's just that if – Kelsey, Jason Kelsey doesn't want to show up. He doesn't have That's to, fair. and he's not going to get doesn't fined. He no doesn't one, have to. No one's going to get fined for just not showing up to minicamp. But, you know, in a way, a little psychological test could be going here where you make it not mandatory, and then you kind of really find out who's committed to the team by the ones that actually end up showing up. But interesting that Colts breaking in a new quarterback, Eagles breaking in a new head coach with a fairly new quarterback are both the teams kind of out in front of everybody else saying, yeah, we'll pass on minicamp this year. We'll not be the only ones, though. I'm telling you that much. Do you think there are other teams to follow? I think the Steelers might be one of them. The Steelers veterans were already trying to tell yeah. the rookies not to show up to rookie minicamp because of labor disputes and negotiations with the contracts. So I don't put it past the Steelers coming in and being like, look, I would hate that. We though. just can't have it. We don't want that. mandatory minicamp. I mean, players just don't want it. Players feel overworked. And coming from the side where they just added an extra game to your schedule and right. they took away a preseason game, but whoop de doo, who cares about that? They didn't add an extra bye week into the schedule on top of adding an extra game. So there is no extra rest coming these players' way. I think they're trying to find rest in any kind of way that they possibly can. Mm -hmm. And this is an obvious spot where they can clearly shave off some. And it's not really demanding because you're not putting real pads on and hitting during this, but mm. just some physical strain that they're trying to just put off a little right. bit to save their bodies later down the road. But I would and, say and it might be it might be stupid because it's it's so insignificant. These you know shorts and shoulder shorts and sh shorts and shoulder pads <laughs> practices and shorts and helmets practices, but. I, I don't know. Maybe this is, in players' minds, going to save their body late in December when they're playing Week 17 because they weren't working out in the middle of June and July. I would say this, too. It's just 
it's really frustrating from an offensive perspective, right? We've talked so much about Matt Canada's influence, how much that will actually come into play when the regular season starts come week one. Don't you think that the best option for him is to kind of get as comfortable with all of the weapons that he now has mm-hmm. as we've as we've listed out many times Absolutely. Four, four receivers, two tight ends, one star running back and then a couple of backups as well and a quarterback that you've never had to work one-on-one with you've never had that opportunity I mean you've worked together but you haven't had this type of type of relationship offensive coordinator to quarterback I would think it would benefit the offense the most and it's just upsetting because you know you mentioned how some veteran guys were saying to the rookies you know it's not the best idea for you to show up even to your mini camp but that's where we got to see Najee Harris and Kendrick Green kind of shine and say, okay, these guys could be, I mean, Najee Harris for certain, but Kendrick Green got significant snaps in at minicamp over this past weekend, and it's just another step in his progression to maybe getting or securing that starting job. If that doesn't happen, we're still out in the open. We still don't know exactly what the Steelers got in Kendrick Green. And finally the saga that really has the football world wrapped around their finger but has gotten a little quiet in the past couple of weeks is the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. Um, things have been a little quiet on the Aaron Rodgers front ever since that bombshell from Schefter dropped on draft day. And, of course, there was fallout for about a week afterwards where right. Rodgers kept you know, saying he wished that report didn't come out, but also that there is confirmation that he's not very happy with the, the way that the Packers organization is treating him. And now we're kind of just floating waiting for that next big news to break. And I have a feeling, Jacob, that the next big news that breaks would be the trade, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, unless it's it's either that or you hear that there are two candidates that are willing to make things work in the, in the package. Right, because right now it seems to be just Denver, right? I mean, I yeah. know Vegas has kind of creeped up as a dark horse, but as far as what like— What do they have to offer, though? Car because and, car and first-round picks. Is that enough? Probably not. Yeah. Is lock and first round picks enough? Probably not. Well, I think they have more. I think they have more capital to give. I also than just Vegas don't does. know if anything's enough for Aaron Rodgers. Right. That's I, I just don't know if that's. I don't know if there's a trade Maybe the, the Packers he- can make that they don't get less value than everybody think they should. Maybe the next headline that we do see is that Packers have been trying, to, like, they've been pandering to Rodgers and say, okay, we'll entertain the idea. But here's the problem: is that we're not getting nearly enough back for you. You got to be here in 2020. I bet the Packers would have loved if Deshaun Watson didn't get into the off-the-field trouble he did, and if he got traded. Oh. I'm not saying Rodgers would have gone for as much. Watson being younger, but at least getting a decent price on the market. I don't even think Houston, if if Deshaun Watson didn't get into trouble, I don't think Houston would entertain that idea. Even I think they would just, you're right. He still I think might they would, just, I think be they would a just keep keep Deshaun Watson in Houston. I mean, you're giving up Deshaun Watson, your future, the guy that could be there for the next 15 years, your next Aaron Rodgers, for Aaron Rodgers, who can only stick around for maybe three, four years max. That's exactly right. But at least the Packers would then also be able to leverage it and be like, okay, well, you just gave up this much for a guy who's only been to the AFC Championship game. Our guys won two MVPs and a Super Bowl ring. But still... There's just I don't no. Th- no, they never even made it. That that was the divisional round where they lost to Kansas to City. To Kansas City, you're right. They it, was te- it was Tennessee. Game. It was That's Tennessee right. who made That's it. Right. Yeah. So even worse. Yeah, like, even you didn't worse. Make it that far. Yeah. So maybe it's just tough because there is no bar. Right. There is no market for this. It's right. Never Tom been Brady done was a free agent. You, yeah. you just don't have an example to look at and say, well, this player is kind of comparable to Rodgers, and he got this. So let's start here and try to work our way backwards or forwards from that point. 
it's nothing like that. And was Peyton Manning a free agent? Yes. When he went to Denver? Because the yeah. Colts just let him go. Because right. they went and got Andrew Luck. He, he sat out that entire, what, 2011 He year. was hurt. Curtis Painter started. They went like 2-14, yeah. and 14 and it was Andrew Luck's show ever that since then. Yeah. Uh, if I was the Broncos, though, just one last thought. I'd be on the phone every single day. Of like, course. Uh, it would be... If I was the Broncos GM, my morning would be breakfast, coffee, phone call to the Packers. Sure. Like that would be every single morning and just even if they stopped answering my phone calls, voice messages, where you guys at? You trying to maybe throw in a couple <laughs> extra picks, you know what I mean? I would yeah. just I would be kicking the tire. I would be a pest. The Packers GM would hate me if sure. I was the Broncos GM. And, and I feel like that they are doing that. So I mean, what do you what do you think the Raiders are doing then? I don't think the Ra- I really think it's a one horse team. You think so? I think the Broncos are the only one that's really kicking the tires on this one. I mean, just from day one, it seems like people have drawn those dots that Green yeah. Bay to Denver makes just, the most sense. It makes, and it, and it's just so typical of Denver compared to considering what they've done in the past. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. Thanks as always for listening. We'll talk to you later in the week when we drop three fresh episodes in your face. But that's going to do it for these ones. Make sure to listen to all of our old stuff at Steelers.com and download and subscribe to Steelers Standard on Apple or Spotify. For Jacob Recht, I am Tom Opperman, and we will talk to you on the next episode. Thanks, as always, for listening.